Or it's the people that hate Oprah because she's rich. Yeah. So she's it's like, capitalist. she's a capitalist. How dare y'all celebrate her? I'm like, but y'all celebrate. Never mind. I ain't going to do this with y'all. Let's slide into mid-key because I'm not doing this because this is going to be fun. Um, I mentioned earlier talking about Massage Noir. Um, this was about, it wasn't called Massage Noir when Grapevine did it, but it was called Misogyny in Hip Hop. One of the women that were on the panel, Taylor Crumpton, wrote a article in Harper's Bazaar um, called Women in Hip Hop Cannot Thrive While Massage Noir Exists. Now, it's not a long article, so I think I can get through it pretty quickly, but she was one of the bright spots on the um, panel because that one person that everybody knows, they get on the Grapevine TV, and I have no idea why y'all Hold on, can't... hold on, hold on. What is Grapevine TV? What is so this? Grape... It's an um, it's a, it's a internet show. You like you can subscribe to it on YouTube. They do like um, panels with that talk about Black issues, so they have... Um, black people within the diaspora to talk about certain things so they had started a patreon um so sometimes like they had a um discussion on the the relationship between black men and black women that are behind the paywall and yeah i'm kind of glad that it is because who one that (laughs) that watching that video actually left me mad and i'm glad it wasn't like full access on the timeline because it would have been like a banner day in black twitter um so they have a youtube page uh, and that's where all the videos are. So it's a web series. Okay. Where okay. In, you know they have it's basically a panel and they talk about things. Um, last week it was misogyny and hip hop. Okay. So gotcha. Taylor, yeah, Taylor was um, one of the panelists on there. And so after you know Grapevine dropped, she said, "I'm writing a piece." I didn't realize it was for Harper's Bazaar. So kudos to Taylor for writing for Harper's Bazaar, which is not a small publication. Um, and she was um, writing this in the context of how we've been treating Megan Thee Stallion after her getting shot by Tory Lanez, where people have literally um, been making jokes about it. That's why I'm like, y'all, y'all friend, um, Jess Hilarious. Um, yeah, I've been like, yeah, this is why she's not funny. And I get that she's from Baltimore and I know she's probably scrappy, but it, it, y'all not going to stop until Megan literally punches one of y'all in the face. And she should. See, y'all can see her out, and if she just walk up and punch you, you'd be like, what is it for? And that's for the fucking jokes you made on Instagram. This is for the fucking jokes you put out on the internet. See, y'all not going to be ready until she's ready to punch somebody. But anyway, here's the article from Harper's Bazaar. It was just the worst experience of my life, and it's not funny. It's nothing to joke about. It was nothing. It was nothing for y'all to start going and making fake stories about, said Megan Thee Stallion on Instagram Live, holding back tears as she addressed her shooting injuries. I didn't put my hands on nobody. I didn't deserve to get shot. Excuse me. The men in the hip-hop community have failed Megan Thee Stallion. On social media, she was mocked and memed, diminishing the gravity of the violence enacted upon her. It points to a larger problem, the sadistic nature of massage noir and hip-hop, an industry stained by the blood of violence against Black women, by its forefathers. Hip-hop, a genre born from the overt abuse and brutality Black communities have suffered by law enforcement, opposed the patriarchy. It's one of the few spaces where Black men can emulate the power ideals of whiteness. It's a developed framework that justifies Chris Brown's existence on Billboard charts despite his physical assault of Rihanna in February 2009. Instead of being held accountable by his peers, he was welcomed into a fraternity of success and masculinity built on the dehumanization of Black women. It's often said that Black women are fighting two wars based on the intersections of race and gender, misogyny is institutional oppression against women at large, 
but massage noir is a dehumanization of black women perpetuated through individual societal and cultural violence towards black women until men in hip-hop show genuine support and investment for black women in hip-hop black women will never be granted justice not even in death as black women took to the streets to protest the death of brianna taylor social media and blogs reduced their calls for justice to a superficial meme a trend void of the richness and complexity of her life when news broke about Megan's attack, Twitter erupted into misogynistic memes from Black users centered on her ass, boobs, and knees, implying that the loss of her sexual appeal mattered more than her actual life. Her face was superimposed on Ricky Baker's played by Morris, Ch played by Morris Chestnut when he is shot in the film Boys in the Hood, and Madame Vera Walker, played by Della Reese, when her pinky toe is shot in Harlem Nights. The migration of memes across social media platforms reinforced the devaluation of Black women and celebrity and hip-hop culture where their full humanity is reduced, sexualized, and rendered one-dimensional. One of the most compelling MCs and lyricists of her generation, Megan Thee Stallion is hip-hop's biggest star. She has accomplished worldwide success and ren renowned for her explicit lyrics that put women in power, catering to their satisfaction and fulfillment as she raps about her quote-unquote player, player ways and quote-unquote skimpy clothes. She's the Houston hottie with a model body, yet through a patriarchal lens, men in hip-hop seek to reconstruct her lyrics of empowerment as justification for objectifying her body as a holding place of male desire, rage, and violence. Who hears a Black woman's cries of fear and pain if their personhood is stripped away? If Black women are no longer regarded as human, then their bodies are deemed deserving of disproportionate amounts of pain. If Black women are no longer granted femininity, then their bodies are subject to transphobic attacks in an attempt to validate the violence they endure. Cameron responded to Megan's attack by reposting an Instagram post that said her shooter saw that dick and started shooting. I don't care what no oh one said. God. What? Yes. Yes. That Cameron. <laughs> what? Same Cameron. I, I did and I went, this nigga it's like, this asshole. His commentary reflects a double standard in hip-hop misogynistic framework, one that awards male rappers for protecting themselves against an aggressive assailant, but blames women for behavior that results in gun violence. 50 Cent, <clears throat> who survived being shot nine times, he references the attack on his Many Men Wish Death from his debut album, Get Rich, Get Rich or Die Trying, posted a meme about Megan's injury, which he later apologized for and deleted after her Instagram Instagram live session. Megan the Stallion didn't deserve to get shot. Liza Rios didn't deserve to be hit by Big Pun. Dee Barnes didn't deserve to be attacked by Dr. Dre. Steph Lover didn't deserve to be harassed by DJ Funk Master Flex. Linda Williams didn't deserve to be punched by Dame Dash. Little Kim didn't deserve to be in a violent relationship with the notorious B.I.G. Drew Sador, Syl Abram, Sherry Sher. Sure, and others didn't deserve to be sexually assaulted by Russell, Russell Simmons. Sorry, Simmons has denied the allegations. Massage noir is an intercommunal pandemic. Oppressive structures are maintained by the erasure and intentional neglect of individuals who are disregarded and marginalized. In a white supremacist society, hip-hop is unique because of its existence as one of the few influential structures where cisgender heterosexual Black men can be in positions of power. But their silence toward Black silence towards um, black women is reflective of the patriarchal systems they have upheld. Hip hop has provided the space for black men to build empires and legacies. Def Jam Recordings, Rockefeller Records, and Bad Boy Records have affirmed Russell Simmons, Jay-Z, and Diddy's place as worldwide ambassadors for hip hop culture. Where was Jay-Z when following Megan's attack? She signed to Rock Nation Management and collaborated with Beyonce on the Savage remix, but he said nothing. He doesn't really say nothing anyway, but I get what she's saying. Where was Diddy? He featured her on his COVID-19 dance-a-thon, but he also said nothing. 
I think this is a little bit more valid. Though some men like Wale and 21 Savage showed their support, the majority of voices in hip hop who displayed comfort and support for Megan Thee Stallion were black women who historically have shown up for themselves when no one else would. Before the age of 25, Megan Thee Stallion had publicly lost her mother and grandmother. Yet during her ascension to stardom and through her grief, she still continued to reach out and support hotties with engagements on social media, charitable donation to her hometown of Houston, and a cash app campaign. On her July 27th Instagram Live, her first appearance since the shooting, she continued to show that resilience, assuring us a bitch is alive and well, strong as fuck. I'm ready to get back to regular programming with my hot girl shit. I can't keep putting my energy in a bunch of you motherfuckers. It's not the responsibility of black women in hip hop to address the racialized and sexual violence towards their community. Black men in hip hop need to participate in the disinvestment of misogyny in the culture instead of silence. In order for black women in hip hop to live and thrive, the structure of misogynoir must be abolished. And that was written by again, Taylor Crumpton. That's a lot. That is a lot because I get what she's saying because she signed to Rock Nation. Um, that's not, this is not making an excuse for Jay-Z because it's really not because he's still going to put out a fucking statement. Um, he has a Twitter, but he don't fucking tweet. I don't think he has an Instagram. I'm like, I don't, he's not social media savvy like a Diddy or Ice Cube or a Snoop Dogg or a T.I. Hell, even a Cameron or Joe Budden they're, or a Nelly. They're not savvy, but notice they're completely silent. But all of these people, I'm very sure if you look, I'm not going to, um, they said something about the passing of XXX Tentacion. They said something about the passing of Nipsey Hussle. They said something about the passing of Pop Smoke. They definitely said something about the passing of Kobe Bryant and deigned anybody to say something against it. And we all see what happened when you did. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like, mm, she's not wrong. So even though it's like, I can give... Jay-Z the benefit of doubt, like he's really not active in social media, so he wouldn't say anything. That's really not the point because he still could have put out a message. Rock Nation could have put out something. I don't think they did. And so I think it's great this is coming out after the um, Great Bomb TV video because this was part of her point when she said it. She, um, She was like, it's not up to women to talk about this anymore. Because a lot of times when it comes to enjoying hip hop music, a lot of men don't realize the privilege it is um, that you don't have to ignore the misogyny. It's like you don't have to ignore it to enjoy the music because y'all will still enjoy it anyway. A lot of men just do because they don't see it as misogynistic. They're like, that's just their way of life. Because it's interesting that they give shit to Megan talking about her way of life. But for about 20 or 30 years, we listened to Stoop Dogg's way of life. And we just had to accept it. Like, well, I mean, that's or Ice Cube's way of life. So it's kind of like well, I think the other thing is, well, I think the other thing is, um, because of how terrible uh, misogyny's been in hip hop, mm-hmm. that you can't you can't treat things as equals. So it's like, um, like if if a black person makes a joke about something that happens to a white person it's not the same as if the white person jokes about something racist happened to a black person because there's a power imbalance there. There's history. There's all those things. So, for example, I've heard people around the subject be like, people make fun of uh, male rappers getting shot all the time. People still joke about Tupac getting shot or 50 Cent getting shot. Mm-hmm. Or I heard some, I saw somebody bring up, 
uh, they on Chappelle's show they made a whole joke about rappers getting shot, and they even did one about Paul Pierce getting stabbed. They, mm-hmm. People joke about these things all the time, and I was like, yes, people joke about these things all the time, but these situations aren't equal, right? So you're not coming at it from the same place. You're not coming at it on the equal playing field, and so because of the history and everything that's been involved in this, you can't. There's some things you can't joke about, especially when you don't even know what happened. Right, because when it first happened, right, when it first got reported, it was just reported that there was a shooting and Megan had to go to the hospital. Mm-hmm. You, it was not, like I remember, it was like nothing else was reported at that time. So you didn't know what happened. You didn't know where she got shot, how many times she got shot, how she got shot. You don't, you don't know anything. You just know that she was shot. There's mm-hmm. nothing funny about that. Like that's not absolutely not. Like that's not that's not funny. And so I get. So it's it's all built on this idea that people who aren't in the who are in the privileged positions. I say I've been saying this a lot this episode. The people in the privileged positions, you cannot act as if the people who are in the marginalized group and treat them as if they're in the privileged group because everything is not the same. You can't say the same things. You can't do the same things because it's not the same. And because when you have a history of women in the industry getting treated poorly. By other men in the industry, um, it's not a it's not a funny matter to women uh, mm-hmm. in, in the industry and out because it happens in regular quote unquote regular women's lives too. So it's it's not a joke, and I don't understand. Especially now, here's the thing: at first, if when somebody said, "Oh, she got shot in the pinky," but she's all right, that's funny. I would I don't think that's funny. But you know what? Let's just go with okay. You just made a joke. Here's what really pisses me off even more than that. Mm-hmm. She then comes out right, and she does the Instagram live, and she said, and she explains like everything she's been going through, mm-hmm. how it's been messed up, and you know she's 25 years old, and this is a dramatic moment in her life, and that shit really hurt bad, and she didn't know what could have happened, and thank God it didn't break any bones or any tendons or blah blah blah. And then I get on Twitter and I see dude talking about look at Megan playing the victim. And I'm just like when she actually was a victim. I'm like, what are y'all talking about? She was a victim of a shooting. Like, are we are y'all kidding? <laughs> and this is where I go. This is why the joking to begin with is fucked up. Mm-hmm. Because if it was just a joke to you, right? If you were just like, you know what, I thought it was funny, but it's serious, that's still fucked up. But I'd be like, Oh, I can I can say, okay, you fucked up, but at least you understand that this shit is terrible and this was a really fucked up thing that happened to her. But that's not the reactions that people were having. Correct. That was the reactions that black women were having for the whole time. But that's not the reactions that people in general were having. A lot of people were just still making jokes, laughing even more, saying she's crying victim. Oh, you just got shot in the foot. You fine. 50 Cent got shot seven times. You don't see him on Instagram crying. I said, it's, 50 Cent made like 10 songs talking about getting shot. Like, he had a whole album that's based on him getting shot. <laughs> Like, that's not, like, so that he can express it that way, but she expressed it this way and there's something wrong. And that's because it's not about her expressing it. It's not about, it's not even about her being shot. It's about, I don't want to hear what she has to say. Mm-hmm. Like, absolutely. It's just like, y'all being so ridiculous. It's just, she shouldn't have had to come out and say, it's not funny. I'm like, this is painful. I'm like, the bad pro- I'm like, she shouldn't have to say that because y'all should actually just know that. Yeah. So how do you just not know this? And the bad part about it is um, 50 cent of all people joking about being like, 
here's the thing. They're like, he apologized. I'm like, what? They're like, oh my God, he never does that. I'm like, but I need y'all to listen to his apology. He was like, I'm sorry. I didn't know you was hurt. Um, I'm sorry. He was like, he was like, my bad. And I'm sitting here like, wait a minute. You knew she got shot, but you didn't know she got shot, shot. What the hell is wrong with you? What do you, what part of being shot does not equal that she is in pain? And also, don't you have a fucking bullet in your face? Mm-hmm. Sir, what the hell is wrong? Girl, get out of here. And they're like, see, Biggie did something. He, Biggie, 50 did something big. I'm like, no, he didn't. He was like, hey, I was making jokes, but I didn't know you was shot, shot. Bitch, fuck you. Fuck, fuck you, Fofty. Because, <laughs> mm-hmm. like I said, because from his perspective, he goes, people been joking about me getting shot for 20 years. I don't see what the big deal is because it's not the same. It's not like, the same. It's not the same, but when you're in the privileged class, you can't see past that. And that's mm-hmm. what's fucked up about it so much. Right. In, in all these situations, you can't see past your own privilege. So you mm-hmm. think if people can joke about me, why I can't joke about her? Exactly. And it's like, that's not even the same fucking thing. It's not. And y'all can go to hell. But, you know, this is a well-written article by Taylor. Next story. Trump wants to delay the election. And I <laughs> have been fucking telling... It's like, you know, what's really interesting is that he's tying it into, you know, for safety and we're going to have to um, uh, delay the election. Funny, you have no problem sending those children back on time. You don't even want to consider starting school virtually. But yeah, let's let's move the um, election back. Um, That means I, I will wear a mask. We'll talk about John Lewis in a little bit, but his funeral was three and a half hours. Everybody in that church and outside of that church had on a fucking mat for three and a half hours. And guess what? Everybody, nobody would probably get COVID. (laughs) Nobody. And nobody complained like, oh my God, I had to be in this heat. They're like, no, I had to be here. So no, Donald Trump can fuck you forever. And also he has no power to do so. But if you took even like a high school civics class, you would know that the only people that can delay the election is Congress, Congress, he cannot do anything because then now he's going to say, you know, with mail-in voting, it would be fraudulent and inactive and inaccurate. And I'm like, so. Thank God we got the, the House of Representatives because I have no faith if Kevin McCarthy was in charge of the House, that this wouldn't be delayed. None. So, I mean, he, he gets no kudos from me, but uh, Mitch McConnell shot down the idea already about moving the um, article moving the election oh did you Um, hear about what mitch did this week what did he do so mitch uh so trump is this is the first time i've seen trump behave in a he's behaving like a man that knows he's losing this is the first time i've ever seen that from him uh that's why he's doing all these things and so Mm -hmm. mitch mcconnell apparently uh had a meeting with his uh republicans in the senate he basically told them that, um, hey, guys, uh, if you guys feel like you need to break away from Trump or not vote for one of his judges or vote for one of his things that he's trying to pass, uh, you got my blessing. Because, <laughs> oh, so we're not going to do that publicly. But what that means is I guarantee you, you're going to start seeing some fake Republicans who hasn't said shit this four years. Because mm-hmm. the only one that's ever said anything is Romney. Yeah, he's the only one that's so funny when you think about it. It's like, wow, this is so funny. Who could imagine? It's like, 
of all the Republicans, if you talk about some, like, I feel like after the his um not winning, you thought he would just go away. You never hear Mitt Romney again, and you can't he, he was like, rich. Yeah, I'm not in the business of giving Republicans credit, but right. I do give Mitt Romney some credit because Mitt Romney is individually wealthy. He does mm-hmm. not need to be a senator right. at all. For no, like, there's no reason for like he would have he would have prestige if he wanted to talk. He could give all the talks that he wanted to. If he ever wanted to go on TV, they would put him on TV. Mm-hmm. He did not have to be a senator. He chose to come back and be a senator. And then ever since being a senator, he's basically, I mean, he, you know, he's still a Republican, so he's still going to vote for some Republican shit. Mm-hmm. But when it comes to Trump stuff and the mm-hmm. really outrageous Republican shit, he's like, nope. He hasn't really been on any of those things, and he doesn't have to. Uh, and that's what allows him to do those things because he don't care. He's right. not beholden to anybody. Like, really I'm going to be a care. rich white man before and after this, so y'all have fun. Yeah, he, don't, he doesn't care. He don't but care. the rest of them dudes haven't said anything. Mm-hmm. If they start, if you start, I'm, I guarantee you, you're going to start hearing some of them say, I don't really support the president in this, or mm-hmm. I'm not really with the president in this, or, you know, you're going to start seeing some of those things recently. And that's because Mitch basically, they're basically going like, hey, man, this ship is sinking right now. Mm-hmm. And the only thing that can save Trump is voter suppression and election interference at this point. Mm-hmm. Because the thing that saved him, he still lost to Hillary by 3 million votes. And that was with 20-year campaign of hating Hillary Clinton. Mm-hmm. And not, and then for the people that didn't hate her because of the stuff they said and, the, and all the lies that they told about her, mm-hmm. then there was a whole larger group of people who were just sexist and misogynistic that hated her. Because, so you, you had, know, it's never, I'm yeah. never going to get past the 30% of people who voted for Donald Trump only voting for him because they didn't like her. Mm-hmm. Like, yep. that's a lot of people. That's like a, a, more than a quarter of the people who voted for you. They didn't vote for you because they thought you could do it. They even thought worse. they, that's even worse. It's like, they didn't vote for you because they thought you could do it. They just don't like her. And I'm like, that should make you feel good, but you're using it as winning. It's even worse than that. It's yeah. even worse than that, Stephanie. Bernie Sanders won Michigan <sighs> and other, he won Michigan in 2016. And he won a bunch of other states mm-hmm. that he got destroyed by Joe Biden. And mm-hmm. let me tell you what Joe Biden isn't. A progressive like Bernie Sanders. Mm-hmm. So if you told me if your argument was, you know, those people were just, you know, people were just to the left of Hillary and they just couldn't get with Hillary because no. she wasn't to the left enough of Bernie. Because Bernie is to the left of Hillary, so you could say yeah. um, he wasn't to the she wasn't far left enough. How come all the, how come all a lot of them people end up voting for um, Joe Biden? Bernie Sanders won more black people in Michigan than he did in 2016 when he won. Mm-hmm. But he lost all those white people that voted for him that didn't vote for Hillary last time. They mm-hmm. all went with Biden, which tells me that a lot of them people, even on they our just side, didn't quote, like unquote, Hillary. They didn't like, like Hillary. It's not even about like his. It's not even about his principles. Like, oh, Biden is just better. I'm like, if you hey, like, why'd you vote for Biden? Because he's a de- why? Oh, buddy, I'm sorry. Why didn't you vote for Bernie? He's not a Democrat. I'm sorry. We're playing the long ball here. We're playing and we're playing. We're trying to get to end game. And I, if you like Bernie, that's fine. I don't, but whatever. Um, we're talking long game here. We're talking, get him the fuck out of here. Bernie is not a Democrat. He hasn't even tried to be in the party. I'm not telling him to do so. That's not what I'm saying. What I am saying is he's not in the party. So he's not in one of the majority parties. He will not win the election. He was not going to win the election. No matter if people liked him, 
it didn't matter. I'm like, you were not going to win the election, so why would I vote for you? Well, I will say this. I think Bernie could have won the election. I think, but here's the thing. It's not even close with Biden right now. Like, that's it's what I'm saying. I'm talking about looking at like close. between him and Biden. Like, what was yeah. the Biden people were picking? I'm like, if he's so great, why are so many people going to Biden? And here's you, the other thing. it's like, why? Here's the other thing that how you know it's just in like Hillary. So last time after Bernie lost, a bunch of Bernie supporters, male men and women, to be mm-hmm. fair, mm-hmm. were like, I just, I you know, I just can't bring myself to vote for Hillary Clinton. I just oh can't yeah. Do it. I saw a like, poll. No, I think what men, men are better in power, and I'm like, you know that because they've always been there, or <laughs> like, how do you yeah. know that? I saw a poll about who you voted for in the primary, and if you're going to vote for Joe Biden, mm-hmm. and it was like 91 percent of people who voted for Bernie Sanders said they're going to vote for Joe Biden in the, and you couldn't be more that you couldn't be. I mean, you could be, but but here's the thing, and then. You know, last time Bernie took all that time to support Hillary, he ended up doing it mm-hmm. begrudgingly at the end, but it took him forever. This time, and he to didn't. be fair, him and Bern, him and Biden have had a, a friendship for a long time. They were closer than Hillary, so I will give him that small benefit of the doubt. But like, he dropped out of the race early. He didn't even keep fighting. Mm-mm. He immediately backed Biden, and then he decided to work with Biden. And to Biden's credit, he realized that Bernie, Bernie still has a big following. And so I should incorporate some of these things from these people. So he puts out a platform with him and the Bernie Biden platform, whatever. It came out a couple weeks ago. Mm. And then they moved Biden to the left on some issues, which is good. Um, And next thing you know, you see a poll and Biden's up like 12 points nationally. Mm. He's winning here in Texas. He's tied in Georgia. He's winning in Arizona. He's winning in Florida. It's pretty much over in Michigan. It's like he's up like 16, 17 points in Michigan. He's winning in Pennsylvania. Like he's winning in almost every swing state and some states that aren't. Like Texas is not a swing state. He's oh, up two not. points here in Texas. Um, he was winning in Iowa. Like, and so that just tells me like this was all about Hillary. But to get to the article that you brought up, so then Trump is seeing all this stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Trump is seeing all of this stuff. And so now Trump decides to act like a man who's losing. But here's just how you know Trump's a moron. If you were a person who was losing, you're not going to double down on the, all the losing shit you were doing. You're going to try to mix it up. But what does he do? He goes nuclear. He starts because here's the thing. You thought you got a couple weeks ago. They, remember when they were like he wore that mask to the hospital and they were mm-hmm. like, look at Trump changing. Look at Trump changing his stance. He's wearing a mask. He's he's going to change his stance on these things. And he comes out two days later and he's like, well, I just wore a mask then, but you know, I still don't mean you got to wear a mask everywhere. And then he goes to his hotel not wearing a mask. And I'm just like, this man, he's so terrible. This is the other thing about not even the racism and all that stuff. Trump is so terrible. He can't even get out of his own way. Like, he can't even get out of his own way. It's just, it's just bad. Yeah. And it's like, they it- talk about delaying the election. Right, delaying the election. I'm like, does I'm like, child. I'm like, boy. I'm like, you now you're being desperate because and I I respect the polls and um the notion that people are saying winning, um. 
they said the same thing about Hillary and Hillary lost. So for me, and they were dumbfounded. They sat there like, wait a minute, how is all of our information wrong? How, how do we not see this? Cause literally all the states they said were easily would have went to Hillary did not. And they were just sitting here like, how, how were we so wrong on this? I'm like, cause you, under, you underestimated white supremacy. You underestimated white people. Oh, even more. No, I, see, that's a big thing, but it's more than that. They underestimated the sexism. Yeah, that to me, that was even bigger than the white supremacy of the white people, because it, a lot of that was just like, I'm not voting for this woman. <laughs> like, because it wasn't just on the right, because you yeah, remember a, the voter turnout was down because a lot of people on the left didn't vote. They were a like Bernie people, or bust, and they're like, I'm not voting for Bernie. A lot of those people like, were Bernie or bust, and if we're being honest, a lot of those people were black men who were like, I'm not voting for a woman. Like, I'm not voting for no woman. Like, nope, uh-uh. It was like, they. It, it became the lesser of two evils. I'm like, oh, baby, you didn't have to pick between George Bush and Al Gore like we did. That literally was the lesser of two evils, and the lesser of those two evils was Al Gore, but people didn't vote for him. So there's that. Well, he actually, the same thing with that, though. He actually won the popular vote, too. Just like exactly. I remember, because remember how all those um, pundits were sitting on, because they came down to Florida, and there was like, usually, you know, the, this thing that we now have about the Electoral College, when we talk about it, and it's like, oh, my God, it's terrible. I'm like, it, it's only terrible because it didn't work. It's like, it's only terrible in this instance, because usually Electoral College and popular vote lines up. It's only a problem when it don't. That also happened in 2000, because... Al Gore won the popular vote, but Bush went won the Electoral College and they came down to Florida and they literally sat on television and said, don't let this happen again. This is not a good thing. This is bad. And then it happened again. And they were sitting there dumbfounded. Like, how did we underestimate? Because you're right. Because with white supremacy and sexism working hand in hand, it is a terrible, terrible combination. Because mm-hmm. that white supremacy is still there, but he getting creamed in some, in some of these places. Uh, and it's much worse. Like, since I looked it up on 538, right? And not mm-hmm. to get too, because I'm a political nerd, not to get too much into it. But at this point in the election uh, with the polls in 2016, Hillary's at, so what they do on 538 is they take a whole bunch of polls. Mm-hmm. They rate them on like how strong or accurate those polls are historically. And then they take the average of those polls proportionately based on how accurate they are, right? To try to give you a better understanding and not just look at one specific poll. But, oh, this one poll is, and then you, you try to make a, a distinction between that one. They take an average of all the polls, right? Mm-hmm. The average, uh, and out of, at this point in the election in 2016, the, out of, the average polls, Hillary was up like four points, mm-hmm. like three or four points. Right. Trump was terrible. He was, he was only up three or four points. She ended up winning by like three points which was nationally, which was pretty close to what the polls were. Mm-hmm. This past week, the average of the polls, Biden was up like nine and a half points. And at some point, polls, he was up 12 to 15 points. Like it's, it's like two to three times worse than what Hillary was. Hillary never got to nine points at any point in the election last time. Mm. And Biden's been consistently up there and it's just been increasing every, every ever since the pandemic's happened. It's just been going up, 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 up. Mm-hmm. people are just like leaving him. So that's what tells me that the white supremacy is a big part of that and the racial and racism was a big part of that. But I think an even larger part of that was people's hate for women and people's hate for that particular woman. Correct. 
Because if you watch the um the Hillary documentary on Hulu, it's like, oh, they've had a hard on, no pun intended, for her since mm-hmm. the 70s. They have not mm-hmm. liked her since the 70s. So this is not new. That was like, I'm like, why do they hate Hillary? I'm like, people have been hating Hillary. And so they knew how to put like little out of context things to get under people's skin. They're like, oh yeah, we shouldn't mm-hmm. vote for her. And it's like, girl, this tactic is not old. It's not, this tactic is not new. It's very, very old. So there's that. But um, y'all boy want to uh, delay the election because he's like, it's not, he's not probably not getting the feedback that he was getting at first when, you know, in 2015, 2016, they're like, oh no, you're going to do well. Even though he didn't do quote unquote well in the polls, he still won the election. Mm-hmm. But now it's like, I don't think they're telling him that. So now he's like getting like nervous. So let me, let me back down. And Simone Sanders got Biden Mm-hmm. Not saying shit. <laughs> like Biden, the funny thing about Biden to me is like, it's not like he's out here like doing a bunch of shit. He's basically just like, hey man, just let him destroy himself. Just just stay at home. Mm-hmm. Pop up every once in a while. Say something good. Um, go on Joy Reid's show. Talk to her. That'll that'll give you good points. Um, go on, you know, do that. You should go to John Lewis' funeral. Say something nice, you know, say something from your heart. Because the one thing Biden is good at is like connecting with people. Like on a he's very he's very good at that. Um and so you know, because he's had a lot of fucking tragedy in his life. Right. <laughs> so he can relate to people with these types of things. So the fact that we're in a pandemic where a lot of people are going through some really terrible shit, and you got this dude who's like lost two children, lost his wife. Like he's been through some shit. Right. You know, he can relate to them in a way that Trump just cannot. Like Trump is incapable of that. Even if he wanted to, he I think he is literally incapable of being empathetic. And so they're just telling Biden, show up every once in a while, say something empathetic, go back home. And exactly. meanwhile, Trump is just tweeting and saying crazy shit and looking ridiculous. And people are just like, Yeah man, this time I don't have to vote for that woman that I hate. Mm-hmm. I got another old white man that you know who's not so there are too crazy. Some people, there are some people who are more comfortable with having a white man. That doesn't that, a lot that, of people. It's like that doesn't mean that he's the perfect candidate. It's like, is he everybody's candidate? No, but I'm sorry. We're talking long ball. Well, this is not mm-hmm. a sprint. This is a cross-country race. Cross-country mm-hmm. races are longer and take a little bit more time. So sorry, cross-country guys. This is not a sprint. We're just trying to get him the fuck out of here. And that's everybody's yes, we got 90 point. days. 90 days. I can't believe that. That's crazy. All right. Last story in mid-key. No, that was it. No, it's the Latinx. So let's oh, talk about John. Let's talk about John Leguizamo, shall we? What did he do? So John Leguizamo this. retweeted the, this um, article. It's short. It's from the LA Times and is regarding the Emmy nominations. So this year, um, the nominations of Black people are up to about 30%. Mm-hmm. However, the nominations for um, with Latinx representation are is not there. It is quote unquote abysmal from what people are saying. Um, Mm -hmm. So that was their thing. So it's like, sure. So a person named Michael Ordonia wrote this for the LA Times. The Times' analysis of the racial, (laughs) this is funny. Um, Sorry, it shouldn't be funny. It just makes me mad. The Times' analysis of the racial, ethnic, and gender diversity of Emmy nominations in 19 categories from 2015 to 2019 revealed that television's most prestigious... Oh, God, why does it keep doing that? Um, 
the television's most prestigious award has not been representative of the viewing public. Instead, it's no. been overwhelmingly white and male. We've no been- way. What? Shocked. The question was whether this summer's events, including the ongoing Black Lives Matter movement, might spur Emmy voters to nominate more performance directors and writers of color this time around. The answer was both the resounding yes and not exactly. An analysis of the 2020 Emmy nomination shows that 33% of the nominees in the acting categories examined are Black, compared with 14% in the five years prior. Overall, performance of color made up 30% of the total, 6% more than any of the previous five years. Women made huge gains in the writing and directing categories with 36% of the nominees, improving on last year's 25% share. Itself, a marked improvement on four consecutive years in which women were no longer than 13, were no more than 13% of the nominees. However, Latino performers continue to be vastly underrepresented at the Emmys. There have been no Latino performers among the lead and supporting nominees for comedy or drama series. This is important. In the last six years, despite accounting for 18% of the population, the abysmal showing drew pointed criticism on social media. Asians who make up 6% of the U.S. population stalled at 1% across the category Jeez. study. The, ch- the chasm between white writers and directors and those of color closed only slightly this year. From t- 2015 to 2019, white writers and directors were 90% of the nominees. This year, they are 86%. Mm. So that <clears throat> article is really interesting. It's interesting to your girl. Funny to your girl that these kind of articles only seem to rear their head when black people are celebrated. Because this is what John Leguizamo said. We are 25% of the U.S. box office and less than 1% of stories told. What's up, Hollywood? Streamers, Networks, 2020 Emmy nomination slammed by Hispanic Caucus for Latinx Eraser. I'm sorry. That was, that was another, sorry. That wasn't the tweet. This was the tweet about the People article. This is the tweet about the LA Times article. Why can't we Latinx have a piece of the pie? We are the largest ethnic group in America and missing as if we don't exist, exclamation point. Fun fact about all of this is that Jarrell Jerome, who is the first Afro-Latino to want to win an Emmy. He won it for a limited series and or miniseries for um, When They See Us. He broke that barrier last year. And also he is the youngest person to win in his category. But we're not talking about that. So here, here's the deal with John Leguizamo and also this notion of um, Latinx representation not being seen there. The thing about it is, the notion on paper is he has a point that we don't see a lot of Latinx um, representation. The, the caveat that he's not recognizing is that for a lot of Latinos, I'm talking about white Latinos, they don't recognize Afro-Latinos as Latinx. So there you don't, you erase them because you were, he was in when they see us with Jarrell Jerome. I don't know if he mentioned how great it was that he won that award because you probably saw him as, well, he is representing a, he played a black person in the, in the miniseries. So that's why we're not celebrating him. However, he is Afro Latino. So you should be celebrating him Um, because John's argument about um, Latino representation, because he has a point. I've also said this about Asian representation in 
television and movies. It shouldn't just be the only show that had like a majority Asian cast shouldn't have been fresh off the boat. It should have been a lot of other shows. So it's interesting to watch because John is framing it like we don't have any, we didn't have any representation. You're, it only comes up when we talk about when black people get a little bit of head. It's like, well, what about us? I'm like, wait, stop it. What are you doing? Because when Oscar So White was out, she wasn't just talking about black people. She was talking about just non-white representation, period. Right. Well, because, okay. So oh, I didn't mean to cut you off. Good. No, it's fine. So John reminds me of Gina Rodriguez. Because she do the same thing, too. Because when they announced Black Panther, she's like, where's our Black Panther? It's like, girl, what the hell are you? There are, what are you doing? And even when she sat on a panel and they were in a movie and they were like, you know, doing, they were at a press junket. I think it was Blogzilla. Um, he was talking to Zendaya about, you know, how are you, um, how does it feel to represent for Black women? And she said, all women. And he was like, uh, I'm just talking about. See, it's interesting. If Black people get a little bit of a head, it's kind of like, other oppressed groups are there arguments about representation valid absolutely but it shouldn't be on the backs of black people it's like bring this up at some other time but it can't but also the way that this article was worded it was kind of anti it was very anti-black because the first thing he said is like it probably like the nominee nominations probably went up because of the protests so just so we're clear the reason that they're up is not because of the performances, because if you look at the performances that were nominated, it's like, well, duh, and hello. But it was more of people are going to feel sorry for Black people, so that's why they're going to nominate them. So I got to disagree with you a little bit on this one. Okay. Um, and here's why. Um, so, well, what you said about Gina Rodriguez, I mean, that was 100% correct. I'm not disagreeing on that. That was right. Um, <laughs> uh, on this case in particular, the reason why I don't have an issue with when this is brought up is because the only time these things do get brought up is when the nominations come out. So like when Oscar so white happened, it wasn't just in the middle of nowhere. It was. No, no, no. I'm talking about when black people are not getting a large percentage of nominations. Like when it's a majority white, all white, these conversations don't come up. That's what I'm right, talking but, about. But I'm not talking did, about like, though. Not so like really Hispanic like Latinx people have been upset about this for a long time. And so what happened was, and this is my understanding from reading some things about this as well, is when the Oscar So White thing happened, um, there were there were some non black people of color who were like, Why are you just talking about black people when April was never just talking about black people? That was absolutely there. But that was not the majority. The majority was like Yes, you're right, right? So then what so what happened was the the academy was like, okay, we're going to we're going to reevaluate how we do these things, right? So we're going to get more people into the academy for voting uh in all the different categories and we're going to send out more uh for your considerations for all these different categories because that's how these people vote. They get sent these things to the house and they're able to look at movies that they didn't go see in the theaters that they didn't get a, a local screener for. Um and so that's how they catch up on some of these things and get these votes in. And so from my understanding is that what happened is that people were coming around to this year and they were there was a, a larger group of Latinx people on TV this year. They said it went up a little bit. 
Uh, and so they were expecting to see more representation of that when it came to the awards. And so when the awards came out and that they saw that that was not the case, I don't think people, I don't think that people were like, oh, let's take away the shine away from the black people. I think people were just, I think a lot of Latinx people were just upset. They were just like, damn, we still don't, you know, we're still not getting anything. Like we're still not getting anything. And it just so, it happens to be where black people are getting the shine, but I don't think the purpose of it is to take, and not, this is not everybody, because there are absolutely some people who are, who are doing that. But I think in general, it's just this idea that it just keeps happening um, and nothing's changing. And, you know, a lot of black people, we talk about uh, our percentage of the population, right? We'll say like, we make up this percentage of the population and, but we're not representative in X, Y, and Z, whether it's like, you know, you'll hear it about like coaching in the NFL, right? You'll, you'll hear it say like, black players make up 67% of the players in the NFL, but how come there's only two black coaches, right? And so essentially what they're saying is one, the overarching thing is obviously is racism should be more black coaches in the NFL, but two, even more so because we make up such a large percentage of the base of this sport that it, it's extra racist to have such a small percentage in any of these other positions because you're literally ignoring this large pool of people who could potentially be in that position, right? And so if you if you transfer that to Latinx people, they make up a larger percentage of people than us in the population. And so if they are watching movies and watching TV shows and they see not just a less uh, proportional percentage of white people than white people, but of black people and other people of color, then they're going to feel a certain way about that. And I think you can feel a certain way about that without it, without it being against black people. I think it can be like, yeah, I would like some more representation. And now in theory, you would want that to be taken away from the white people. Like, that's what I would think. Like, oh, I think if you were to ask these people and you would say, oh, do you think the black percentage should be less and it should be more of you? I think most of them would be like, no. I think it should be less white people and it should be more of us. Like, I think the majority of Latinx people would say that. There's absolutely some people who wouldn't, but I think the majority of people would say that. And so because of that, when you read these, when you read the statistics involved around that, it is really bad. And this just happens to be a really great year for us because black people definitely don't make up 36, 35 percent, 30 per 35 percent of actors on television. And so to have 36 percent of the nominees be black, like that is incredible. And all those people do deserve it. And that is something to be proud of. But I just don't I don't make the connection in general. I do specific for specific people. I don't make it in general that uh, Latinx people are mad now that we're doing good. I think they've always been mad. And then this was the year that they saw a change. But even when they saw that change, that change didn't include them. And I think that can make you feel a certain type of way. So I think you might be missing what I'm saying, because that's not what I'm saying. Okay. That's not what I'm saying at all. So what I'm saying is because one, John Leguizamo has a track record of being anti-Black. Yes. That's what that's what I'm saying. I'm like, you're going, I'm like, but that like what you just said, that's not what I was saying at all. <laughs> I'm talking about the person who is insistently has a track record of being anti-black and using an article, which I have said, I was like, this is kind of like, see, that's the thing. I'm blaming more of the article than John Leguizamo. Because it's like, if you read the article, the article is like, so this is not helping because you're framing it. Because one, you could have left the black nominees out. 
Like, we have nothing to do with that. I'm like, you're talking about a white institution and them nom nominating black people, but you're also tensioning on they're doing it because of Black Lives Matters and the protests. Not that they're good employed, like, not that they're good um, performances, that they're only doing that because of Black Lives Matter and the uprising. That's the only reason why they're doing it, because they couldn't possibly do that. So that, why I'm like, the article is the problem. Because you're actually like, because one, he has a point. I'm like, where is the where is the Latino people? It's kind of like it can't be all of these shows that show Latinx people, white Latinx people, but that's a whole different thing. And that you say like that means we're not being seen. And I'm like, so that has nothing to do with black people or black nominees. Because last year there wasn't an uptick on black nominees, but there wasn't an uptick on Latinx nominees. No none of these articles came out last year or the year before. But a lot of times these these kind of statements and these kind of articles come out when black people are not are celebrated or even mentioned because gina rodriguez did that with black panther she was like where's our black panther i'm like wait what are you doing and even when joe aguagazamo's documentary on netflix when he was talking about latinx folks he erased afro latinos in his discussion it's like so are they latinx people or not you can't keep excluding them so there isn't a ratio of Afro-Latinos because the thing about the people who are more angry, not really black people at what John Leguizamo said, was Afro-Latino people because they've been watching him. They're like, this is the same person who erased us from everything. So it's really not black people that were really upset about it. It was Afro-Latinos where they're like, we're in the middle of being black and being Latinx. And a lot of times we are left out. And here it is, somebody who does it all the time to us. And we're like, why are you using this? And it's like, so that's why it feels like why is it that the year that is like a slight uptick from a few percentage points where it's like, wait a minute, uh, what about us? I'm like, it is a what about us? Cause you should, it shouldn't be like a big percent, a big large amount of time between Asian nominees. How do we only have Sandra O? What is this? It's like, there's a lot more other people out there. There's, there's no possible way. Because notice, when Crazy Rich Agents came out, Black people were like, oh yeah, I'm, I'm so in for this. <laughs> there was no, oh my God, where, about, where is our blah, blah, blah. It's more like, okay, let's do this. South Asians had a different perspective, but they also have a reason, and it's valid. <laughs> it's like, yes. ah, ooh, yes. it's like yes. oh boy, I'm like, I, we didn't know this. We're like, well, people, we're a lot of people it. don't even consider them Asian. Because <laughs> they're brown. So you're yes. like, it's a, it's a lot going on. So, so Brandon, I said all that to say, I'm like, I get what you're saying because one is like the represent the talk about representation is not just a black thing. So in that, John is true, but using an article that is anti-black more so than him is kind of like you're missing the point because the people that were actually mad weren't black, weren't black non-Latinx people. It was black Latinx people. Like right. Okay. Well, so I wonder if he's. I wonder if the if the author. The writer is considering Afro Latinos in the percentage of black, and not in the percentage of Latinx. Mm -hmm. That would be interesting, right? Uh, to see because I think because one because one you bring up a good point because I'm like the thing about it is, and when you think about representation, they're not wrong, but a lot of times people do this on the backs of black people. Like, what about black people? What about us? I'm like, what? When they announced West Side Story, what's the first thing we all said? Oh, good, we're finally gonna see some Puerto Ricans because y'all tried it with the first one. <laughs> 
Like, oh, good. You're actually going to have a In the Heights, which I thought was coming on Netflix. I didn't realize it was, I don't know why I thought In the Heights was coming to Netflix and not theater. So now we're not getting In the Heights. And I'm like, what the hell? No, I, I agree with what you And move on. So it's yeah. like, because Brandon, I'll, I'm sorry. I don't want it to seem like I disagree. I'm like, you no, have no, a no. I misunderstood what you were saying. You're, uh, you're right. I, I will say this, though. I do think, one thing I do think matters, um, I do think the, the black percentage does matter. And here's why. Because it's just human nature for us to mm. do this. And I'll give you an example. If we had the whole Oscar so white thing, right? Mm-hmm. And then after that, um, non-white actors were being nominated, but none of them were black. Mm-hmm. And so the year after it was like a bunch of Latinx people or Asian people or South Asian people or Middle Eastern people. And the next couple of years, you know, all those people, groups of people increased and black people were still one person or no people. There would be articles that came out from black people and rightfully so that would be saying, hey man, like, you did this thing where you said you were going to improve the diversity of the nominations and we appreciate that, but like we still aren't being represented in that increase. Mm-hmm. Like we've seen an increase in Latinx people. We've seen an increase in Asian people, but we black people have not seen the increase. And just because you say people of color, right. we are included in that and we want to be represented in that. So, and if you do people of color that don't include us, that's still anti-black. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And so, yeah. And, and so in that same way, if, if you're saying we need to increase people of color, but, and I'm not saying this is what happened, but the from their, from their perspective might be, if the only people of color that were then represented were black people, if you're a non-black person of color, you may feel that that increase in people of color for nominations or awards or just jobs in general aren't including you. And so I do think it's important to in, include the black number I just think, like you said, how it was described in the article was mm-hmm. anti-black. But I do think that having the number there is important because yeah. you have to have that. You have to have some type of basis, right? Because you can't. You can, but you can't have the basis towards white people because we always know what the thing is going to be with white people. And yeah. so the thing, if you're another group, a person of color that's not black, or you know, not taking take black out of it, if you're any group of uh, people, any person of color. Um, what you have to do is if you see other groups increasing, because we've seen this outside of acting, we see this mm-hmm. in a lot of things yeah. where like Latinx people will get representation somewhere and we don't. And, and a lot of black people are quick to say, yeah, I didn't say person of color. I said black, right? Mm-hmm. Like they make that mm-hmm. distinction because you can say, oh, cause you know, we'll hear jobs say, oh, there's 30% people of color. And a black person would be like, I didn't say, like you hear that a lot with the tech companies, right? Mm, yeah, tech yeah. companies will say, we have 30% of our job are people of color, non-white people, 35% of the job are non-white people. And a lot of black people who are fighting for equality in tech will say, I didn't say people of color, I said black. And the black percentage is still 5% or it's still 2% or whatever the percent is. We want more representation of us in that field. And so the way you compare that is if other fields continue to grow up. So if it, let's say it was the tech companies and South Asian population still, uh, the Asian population still went up or the Middle Eastern population uh, a percentage of people in tech jobs went up or the Hispanic population in tech jobs went up and the black population st- black percentage stayed at 2%. Mm-hmm. Black people would be like, Hey man, like that's good that you're hiring these other people of color, but what about us? we still want our representation. And so that's right. kind of how I, that's why I think that the number that we get is mm-hmm. still important to that. Yeah. Cause I, yeah. 
And it is because if you think about how civil rights flows in this country, that's how it usually is. It's kind of like because we're the most visibly different than white people to a certain extent. It's kind of like if you thought about voting rights, it went black people. Everybody's like, oh, everybody got it. I'm like, so Mexicans and Latinx folks, they didn't get it to the 70s. Same with indigenous people, if you can imagine. I'm like, we, this country didn't allow them to vote until the 1970s. Indigenous people. It's like, it don't, that seems so on every on every notion it's like that's so fucking wrong it's like how are you gonna tell people who is indigenous to this country like we're not gonna let y'all do anything we're not gonna let you vote but it's all designed to pit us against each other right because right. i'm like and that's the problem to fight for this small slice of the pie instead of spreading out the bigger all the other slices of the pie right because we it's like um we've been through the years of there were no black people dominated anywhere mm-hmm. and it was never like a Oh my God, we should we should we should talk about this from other minorities. Not all, because there were some minorities like, yeah, this is pretty fucked up. Like we don't like this. It's like yeah, because a lot of times for Black people, we're the most visibly different than white people, because there are a lot of Latinx people who are either white passing or racially white because that's what their race is, but they're not. I don't want to say totally white. It's weird to say, but it's like their ethnicity is different, but their race is actually right. Because, hello, Antonio Banderas. He's a whole white man. (laughs) But his ethnicity is different. (laughs) So it's kind of like, I don't like the pitting. And the person that usually does this um, is like, yeah, but you have a track work over this. So to see India Moore literally digging his ass is like hilarious to me. Oh, yeah. The messenger always matters. It's like, girl, she was like, what the hell? I'm like, y'all could literally just sit here and just, so when we talk about we are a race from Latina Dodd, y'all look at us like we crazy. And it's like, but then they had been, a lot of Afro-Latinos have been talking about this for years. They're like, we are erased from Latina Dodd, but not necessarily erased from blackness. Right. They look at our skin tone. It's like, oh. Think about it like this. So like, the increase in black representation in a lot of these awards has gone up over the last couple of years. Right. But then you'll see like none of the actresses on Pose get nominated. And none it's of these things. a whole different thing. And right? a lot of them are Afro-Latino. And Dia Moore is yes. Afro-Latinx. And then so when we're celebrating the black representation, a lot of people be like, yeah, but like the people from Pose, the women from Pose. Oh, I was mad it. about that. I'm like, this is, yeah. I'm like, I feel like this was MJ's year. She was the biggest one that I thought was snubbed. So was mm-hmm. Dominique and definitely Angelica. And I'm like, y'all snubbed them. And I get it. They got snubbed the first time. They did, but see, the acting wasn't as good at the first season. So this season one, everybody went back to the well and they did better. Should they have been nominated? Absolutely. But it was kind of like, you understood the first season because the acting Who's the actress that plays Blanca? That's um, MJ Rodriguez. She should have been nominated the first time. She was great okay. that first season. At least I thought she was. No, I'm not saying that she was. She wasn't. But yeah, no, I get yeah. your point. Yeah, yeah. But it's like this season, I feel like NJ should have definitely been nominated. Like honestly, mm-hmm. and I was like, this is just like, this is a travesty. It was like I'm like, it can't like Billy Porter's not the only actor on that show. He's not the only actor. He's not the. He's not. And it's like I thought Billy did better first season. I'm like I'm not. I'm like well, yeah, he was great. Tell, Praytel eats up the Billy Porter eats up scenery, but a well, lot of so the women on that show, right? But those women, Angelica Ross, 
ate up some scenery. Dominic Jackson definitely delivered. And so did MJ mm-hmm. Rodriguez. And, you know, it's kind of like I'm sitting here like he's not the only one there. And that is just a glaring oversight. It just is. Right. It's just a glaring oversight. And so if a, if a trans woman wrote an article and they said, you know, the a lot the amount of uh, straight black actors or, you know, uh, cis actors who's been nominated has gone up. And I'm very helpful. I'm very happy about that. But we still aren't getting any representation. I would be like, yeah. But and, but I think fine. that is a little bit different because a lot of people have won awards playing trans people who are cis. Jeffrey Tambor yes. has awards for playing a trans woman. So yes. it's I think for that, it's like you wouldn't find a lot of people giving them static because they're like, no, it's true because we act like, you know, trans people just popped up three years ago. <laughs> it's like, no, they've always been here. So it's kind of like they wouldn't be wrong because one, there's a lot of people acting like... Um, quote unquote, playing trans is just makeup and a costume as if a trans person could give authentic, authenticity, authenticity, sorry, to that character. Like the women on Pose. They give authenticity right. that a straight person could never give. Like you can't play this, this is, this is their life. They, they, they like, um, they can give the authenticity that a straight person could not. Like, I never right. watched Transparent, so I don't know if Jeffrey deserved that award. Um, we can also talk about um, Boys Don't Cry and um, Dallas Buyers... Is it Dallas Buyers Club? Is that the whole name? I feel like I'm leaving out a word. That movie with Matthew McConaughey. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's the name... The- is it four words? I feel like it's four words. <laughs> I'm like, Dias? Yeah, no, you got no? it. Okay. That was Bias Club. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm like, why am I thinking of it? I'm like, I'm thinking of it like it's another word. So it's kind of like you go, mm. like, you see straight people. I mean, even like, hello. Yeah, that's, a, that's another thing. Like, we've been talking about this whole time, right? Because mm-hmm. here's the thing. Acting, in, in, I've heard people say this, and they're absolutely correct. A large part of acting is being able to being a completely different person than you are, right? You hear mm-hmm. actors, you hear actors and actresses say this in justification for playing these types of roles. Mm-hmm. And they'd be like, your part of the art is to be able to immerse yourself and portray something that you aren't in a convincing and authentic way. And I go, okay, that is part of the art. I agree. Here's the problem with that. You can't do that if you don't hire that group of people to play roles in general, right? If trans people had the opportunity to play any role that they wanted, for the last 50 years, mm-hmm. anytime they wanted, as much as they wanted in any role, and they were just getting hired and hired and hired and being able to tell their stories and tell other stories as well. Cause that's the other thing. Are you hiring trans people to play other roles right. as well? And if not that just, were I get it. And just train, yeah. just regular roles. Not, I'm just gonna put this yeah. trans person in a trans role. I'm like, you could just put him or her. I could just her. be a person in the show. <laughs> yes, <laughs> right. yes, exactly. Right. If that was happening for the last 50 years, Mm-hmm. And then you said, you know what? Some actress or actor wants to try this role out. I think people would be much more okay with yeah. the art part of it. Like, right. okay, that is, I, I want to, not in a disrespectful way, but like artistically, mm-hmm. I want to tell this story. I want right. to portray this role and I want to do it authentically. Mm-hmm. I think people would be okay with that. But just like we talked about with Megan and other things, that's not the case. Correct. And so because that's not the case, right. you can't do those things. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it's kind of like you go, Oh, I'm like, but I don't understand. I thought, um, actors could play anybody. I'm like, um, 
there's some people who can act their way out of paper bags. And then there are um, Nicolas Cage. I'm sorry. <laughs> We're, this is not a Nicolas Cage shade account because I could have said um, um, Robin Thicke's ex-wife, who is very beautiful, but... Didn't they just yeah. ask Holly Berry to play a, a trans man? Yes, and she turned it. That that was like grand opening, grand closing. She was like, it was like, I think I was listening to Box Five, Five Twelve, and um, one of the hosts. She was so funny. She was like, "Girl, I didn't know what was going on. I saw the apology. I didn't know what the apology was for." That's how quickly (laughs) she turned around. I said, "That's a mess." (laughs) But the funny thing about that is, and, and, and this is just a joke, but like. If you're gonna like Halle Berry's not a bad actress, she's not. No, no, no. But she's not the actress that I'm I'm going to where I'm just like I want someone to play this completely different role. Mm-hmm. Like she's not she's not the go-to for that, which tells you that they're not worried so much about that. They just worried about the name or mm-hmm. getting the name of the person because right. you could have easily got a trans man to act. Uh, there's plenty of them out there to be actors. There's plenty. Uh, trans male actors, there's plenty trans women actors, there's plenty gay actors, plenty black, there's plenty actors and actresses of all of these mm-hmm. every marginalized group and so mm-hmm. the idea that all these marginalized people can't get jobs and you got to keep putting out these white men mm-hmm. is ridiculous and, and it's even white women, that's the funny thing Like mm-hmm. they right. should be right. more and some of them are, I will be uh, some of them are on the, on the marginalized side but they should be more on the side because White women get these roles. They get the same roles over time. Like Charlize Theron, who I love. I think she's great. She's the only white woman who can play an action star. Like she's the mm-hmm. only one that gets to be an action star. She gets all the, the action though. roles. Yeah, she's great. I mean, I'm not taking anything away from her. She's great. But she's the only one that gets to do that? No, there's other white women that can play action roles, but she's the only I mean, one that gets it. They find the one. It's just like with the black actors or the black mm-hmm. com- It's a big thing in black co- comedy. Right, you find one black co- comedian at a time. Right, you go from Richard Pryor to Eddie Murphy. Like it's one, at one for every four or five years, and you find the next one, and you find the next one, and you find the next one. There can never be five of them at a time. You know, that's just big and in movies and doing all these things. You just find the one, and then that's the one. Anyone that's non-white male, mm-hmm. you and so, and in some cases white women because white women get these other roles, but in specific roles for women, and then every other marginalized group. There's one of them, and that's it. You get the one. Yeah. Right. Exactly. So y'all, y'all gonna en- enjoy this tangential stuff that we're talking about because it's all over the place. Cause me and Brandon <laughs> literally have not talked to each other in a while. So just know this is gonna be a two-part episode. I just wanna let y'all know. Um, just know. Just be prepared. As Scar would say, be prepared. Um so high key, I, you know, it's kind of like we've been all over the place with sad shit and stuff that like have made us mad or just been like, what the fuck? So I said high key is going to be about positive things, but I don't know how positive you can be when someone passes away, but just the goodness, which was the home going of John Lewis. Yes. It was a home going that he, the celebration is the celebration that he deserved. Um, he deserved the pomp and circumstance because he was John fucking Lewis. Um, sidebar, I'm ignoring what um, Bill Clinton says because I don't give a fuck what he said. 
I'm like, I can't do this with y'all. I'm like, I want to do this. I'm like, I get it. But I'm like, girl, Bill who? I'm like, I don't give a fuck what Bill Clinton says. I'm like, girl, I'm like, y'all can, I'm like, baby, save your, don't waste y'all pretty on arguing the ramblings of an old white man who literally is basking in the whole, I was the first black president shit that we used to say about him when we were head asses. I'm like, baby, you can just ignore that. And we can focus on the fact that a real orator eulogized john lewis who deserved it i every time i see those videos of him dancing to happy my heart skips a beat because they're so positive man. they just right, make you smile right because you think about like the life that john lewis had and you still after everything he had been through still getting arrested a few as much as what last year i think he got arrested mm-hmm. still can dance and just like have that kind of black boy joy that i absolutely love i'm like every time i see that video i'm fucking sharing it i don't give a damn but one, if you looked out in the audience at the funeral, because I think, um, of course, because of COVID, they couldn't have full capacity. But, you know, it was, a, it was a healthy amount of people there. And they all had masks on. There was also people outside of the church. They all had masks on, too. This was a three and a half hour funeral. They had on those, um, they had on those masks. The only time you've seen people take masks off is if they were going up there to speak. Because, of course, you know, they weren't, the eulogy that Obama did was not um, done with a mask on, but he came there in a mask. Everybody wore masks. Did you see that swag he had when he was walking up? Yes. I said, <laughs> oh, we, about to, we are about to get it. That's all I knew. It's like, um, we are about to get it. Um, so there, he got a beautiful home going that he deserved. I'm very happy that he was here. Um, Barack Obama has literally demonstrated again why he was president and why we are richer to have had him as a president, but also realizing y'all followed up him with this because y'all couldn't vote for a woman. This is what we're going down to. This is what we're doing. It's like y'all followed up this man with this man and a lot of you just couldn't do it because she wasn't the crazy old white man that y'all wanted. She was a woman who took no bullshit and actually was more, she was overqualified for that position. It still was like, well, you're, you have a vagina, so no fuck you. Yeah, that's pretty much it. It's like everything. I'm like, I get it. I hate kitten heels too, but baby, she got my vote. It's like, I don't know what y'all want to do. Um, I, one part I did like, because, I mean, his eulogy is on the internet. It's the whole full thing. I'm not going to read it. But what I loved about his eulogy is that he talked about John Lewis as a person, as a leader, talked about um, what happened on the bridge, um, talked about, you know, meeting him and what that felt like. But he also brought up something that a lot of people um, sometimes don't realize. He brought up voter suppression. He brought this up and I was like, I don't know a more fitting place for him to talk about voter suppression and getting out there to vote than John Lewis's funeral. This man literally bled so that, that was his life. That was his whole life. Mm-hmm. And he is never, and John Lewis did not disparage protesters. He didn't despair, even rioters. He didn't want, and it's like, even Obama, I think recently, um, reiterated, um, Martin Luther King's words, you know, the Martin Luther King that everybody likes to quote, except, some things, you know, about the white moderate, they don't like 
to quote, and they certainly don't like to quote him saying, writing is the voice of those that are oppressed. Yes. Martin Luther King Jr. didn't disparage writers either. He was like, it's because of the unheard. Those are people, this is like what they do when they're not unheard. So I'm not quoting it correctly, but yeah, he's like, that's the, the voice of those that are unheard. And mostly time writers, except for some of them that were writing now just so they could like cause confusion. Like this is a fucking video game dropping bricks in the middle of, what are you doing? <laughs> what in the streets of rage hell is going on here? Yeah, but like the 0.5% of people that were doing that, like it's still ridiculous to say, you know, right. that's everyone. Right. Yeah, I'm sure there were some people out there that were just out there to be out there. But so you know, I, the rest... <laughs> Right. I will never forget when, like, a live newscast, I don't know if it was in CNN or MSNBC, this woman, this white woman was coming out of there with bags of clothes, stuff in clothes and bags. Yeah. Maybe she works there. What the? Oh, yeah, Maybe she that. works there? Yeah, Girl, she stole all that shit. What you mean that maybe she works there? Like, the bags that she has aren't bags from that store. So try it again. Or the white woman that you saw when people were like showing right black writers, that one white woman running out of Target with a lamp. Yep. Just like, girl, bye. Yep. So, of course, it was good to hear Obama talk about that, but also talking about voter suppression and what that looks like. I'm like, mm-hmm. see, that's the part that sometimes people miss. I'm like, when you talk about, you know, don't boo vote, you know, please get out there and vote. He's also bringing up voter suppression. Talking about like whack ass, telling people they need two forms of identification shutting down voting um voting location shutting down polling locations he mm-hmm. even brought up the fact that back in the day because a lot of people forget this if people wanted to vote they had to count jelly beans in a jar you know who knew that john lewis it's like it's so, it like come on i'm like there's so there's so much and I'm like, I just want to go, y'all. Ugh. Well, I was just talking to my friend about that because he mm-hmm. was upset about what Bill Clinton said. And I said to him, I said, it's more indicative of, and I said, Bill Clinton knows better than this because Bill Clinton is actually like a really brilliant man. He knows better. But I said, it's more, but he's he can say that, he says those things because he knows he can say those things mm-hmm. because so many people don't understand what people like Kwame Turi or the Black Panthers actually were about, right? And so, and this, this is mostly for white people, but this includes some black people too. The perception mm-hmm. of them is not exactly what they are, even people who support them, right? So like, there's a lot of like, really, I'm not, I'm not dispersion black radicals, but I'm talking about like, there's some really, really hardcore black radicals. Black. I'm like the Black Panthers and I'm just going to go shoot up these white people. I'm just a really small percentage. I'm not saying that's a bunch of people, but I'm saying they attribute that to like the Black Panthers. And that was never who the Black Panthers were about. Correct. That, that was that was not what they were about. But that's what white America made them about to mm-hmm. scare people. Mm-hmm. And so it became what they were about. And so when you hear about you like I learned about the Black Panthers in school, but it yeah. was it was in but in a weird context, of, it's, it wasn't yeah. like the true context, though. Yeah, it was in context to MLK, mm-hmm. but it was a watered-down version of MLK, and it was a hyped-up version of the Black Panthers in order to say, like, how wrong this is. But in reality, they the Black Panthers weren't a group of people who were just like, you know what we need to do? Get a bunch of machine guns and just mow down white people? Like, that, that's right. not that's what they were not about. That's not what they were about. <laughs> but that's what they're presented as about to right. people. And so when people 
on both sides aligned with them, they're aligning with this made up white supremacy version of them, right? And so then when you say something like that, right, like black people on Twitter got upset because, you know, in general, like the people in our group and the people that we surround ourselves with would know that that's fucked up, right? But I'm willing to bet a large majority of just regular ass black people in the country and the overwhelming majority of white people in the country mm-hmm. heard that line and was just like, oh yeah, I'm, John Lewis and Martin Luther King's way was way different than the Black Panthers way. I get it. Because the, what you're taught about that is so extreme to what it actually wasn't, right? And so you, and that creates this dichotomy between the two versions, the two different quote unquote ways of fighting racism when in reality, it wasn't really that different. Like, it wasn't really that different at all. They they had some philosophical differences, but it was it was really the same thing. It was like MLK was just like fuck the Black Panthers. I don't fuck with them. Like that's not how it was. Correct. And, and so when when you get to John Lewis, he yeah he did some piece of protesting and he got beat up and uh, for protesting and he's been fighting for a long time for these different things and he decided to fight through Congress and through elected positions for the the latter part of his life. And that's absolutely good. And so I don't need people, I don't need Bill Clinton telling me, I'm glad we went the John Lewis way. We could have went too far to Stokely Carmichael, who's not, that's not his name anymore. Or, or I don't also don't need people on the other side saying, John Lewis is what's, what's wrong with us. We don't need to be in office and, protesting. I don't need to get my ass beat. I need to whip someone like ass, like Stokely Carmichael, what's, what's his face would do. And I'm like, that's not, like, even y'all don't get it, right? You're getting mad at Bill Clinton for what he said, but y'all don't get it either, right? And yeah. it's not It's kind of like, how not, dare you? And it was like, who boy? I'm like, oh, I'm I'm, I'm ignoring that. It was like, we can so, address, yeah, I, it's okay I to it not address it. I'm, I'm sure your political nerd ass probably these things. This is I, I find hilarious. these things funny because people get mad at that, and I'm just like, that old white man is saying this stuff because that's what he would have said 20 years ago when it was okay. Correct. In 1996, when everybody loved Bill Clinton, black and people like to people like to revisionist history this, but he was extremely popular with black people. Very. <laughs> uh, with black people and with young people. Yes. Yes. And he was a very smart man, and relative, you know, he, he you know he did a lot of fucked up shit, but relative to other presidents, he was a very good president relative to the president that we've had in the history of our country, which is a right. low bar, but he was yeah. a very good president. And so people, he he's like, I'm, you know, because he does this all the time. When he was on, he's, didn't he say some really fucked up shit about like something during the campaign trail for Hillary last time? It didn't even have he anything did. to do with... Yeah, he, just, he did. I can't remember what he said, but it was like, okay, Bill, we trying to get her elected. Shut up. That's, that's just what he does, right? Because he can't help himself. And and I'm not making an excuse for it. I'm just saying, for me, that's Bill Clinton. Mm-hmm. And it's an indicative of how people are in this country when it comes to people like Kwame Churi, because they don't really understand. Um, and so they can say these things because the majority of people don't fucking understand. Right. Um, but as far as the uh, every, that, uh, eulogy by Obama, I thought that was great because I saw some people who were just like, that wasn't a time and place for that. And I was like, I couldn't think of a better time and place. Like yeah. it, it couldn't have been a better time and place because that was literally his, that was the fight that he decided to take up. There's all types of fights in racism in this country 
that people take up. There's a bunch of different things that we need to fight. John Lewis's particular fight, not that that was the only thing, but his particular fight was voting. And he truly believed in voting. Yeah. And I think I think this was something that um, a lot of people that we may see on our Twitter feeds need to hear because we often do see the people who say, y'all worried about voting. This is just all two sides of the same coin. Like, right. It's, not that big it's very deal. much like if people say go out and vote, like, but y'all not thinking about the people who vote in this person. We're like, we're not talking about them. I don't a lot of times like about my ancestors. I'm like, but literally, I'm like, I'm like, I get it. Like, don't shame me into voting. I'm like, but you can't be, you can't have your access to all this history about how we actually got voting rights and not feel a little bit of shame. I'm not going to tell you, I'm not going to shame you. I'm like, I I get it. You're like, shame don't work for some people, but honestly, you don't feel a little bit of the shame. Like not even a little, not even a little. (laughs) But not even the shame part is this, this part to me. If voting wasn't important, why the fuck did they beat John Lewis's ass for fighting for voting? Why like, did they fight not, so hard against it? I'm like, yes. I'm like, can we, can we maybe, can we spin it that way? Yes, like, can we ask you to think of it another way? If right. they didn't want, if like, if voting wasn't so important, why are they doing everything they possibly can to stop you from doing it? Right, right. That's how I can say, like, all right, you don't want to get shamed by saying your ancestors died for this, which they did. But right, it's truth for sure. But we'll, we'll if not. That's not. It. If you like, don't shame me because of that. How about some logic? If it wasn't important, why would they give a fuck? They don't give a fuck about a lot of things that we do. <laughs> they don't really care about a lot of things that we do. Because they don't. They really care about this. Like mid elections, it's usually yes. the president. It's like for midterm elections, it's like it's not that big. But of course, the twenty was it twenty eighteen mid elections, mid year midterm elections. I'm like, it got. I'm like, I'm at a certain age. I'm like, it's never been this big of we gotta change things. I'm like. Yeah, because for some reason, we, because it's not voting for the president, we kind of act like it's not a big deal. But that has just, that's just the way that we've been for a long time. And now to see people go, hey, no, midterms mean something, y'all. <laughs> like, right. it and something, y'all. It means something. We talked about Hillary and the sexism, but here's the thing. Even with the sexism, if you take away the voter suppression of Wisconsin mm-hmm. and in Georgia, Stacey Abrams is probably governor of Georgia. Mm-hmm. Hillary is quite possibly she wins Georgia yep. and she probably wins Wisconsin and she's president. Yep. <laughs> Even with all the other stuff that we already talked about that went on in that election, the white supremacy, the sexism, the misogyny, mm-hmm. even with all that, she still probably wins without voter suppression. Correct. Cause Stacey Abrams would be governor right now. Mm-hmm. If it wasn't for vote. like, that's the reason it's not because um, Kemp is a better choice. Cause he wasn't, it's more of, this is literally voter suppression. That is literally the, if you want to talk about voter suppression in like a modern era, you can talk about the election that involves Stacey Abrams. That's like literally your best example right now. It's like, yeah, that's the only reason why she lost. It's yes. like, I don't, we, we don't know what else to tell you. So we're like, we're not going to shame you. Um, we're not going to try to raise any of our ancestors. Like this is tales from the hood and put their little bodies and dolls and eat y'all alive. We're not going to do that. We, we I, I personally don't have the way to do that so i'm not going to do it <laughs> but i'm really glad that one donald trump wasn't there when he said no i'm not going we're like oh god thank you we don't want you there by the way and no i'm like i'm pretty sure a white person asked y'all that we as black people are like you better stay the fuck away 
We're not asking you to be there. We're literally telling you to stay your ass away from Georgia. So we're fine. So I got something funny for you, Steph, in related what? to this. What? Did you see did you see Trump's interview with um Chris Wallace? I saw Pitt be I can only take him in small doses. So I saw pieces of it and I was just like, you are a complete dumbass. <laughs> Did you see the one after that when he was remembering the woman, man, camera, TV? I was like, what are, you, <laughs> what are you talking about? I'm like, sir, this does not, you being able to remember four words does not mean you're good at running this country. Where are you getting this from? <laughs> I say this all the time. Like, he does so much fucked up shit that you're not supposed to laugh at mm-hmm. it, right? You're not supposed to laugh at it. But I, I can't help it sometimes. It's yeah. so ridiculous that it's funny. It's like, like, I watched that. Did you feel like this he, is not real life? Did you feel like somebody yes, this yes. is a movie? I'm like, yes. in real life, this I feel like work. it's not real life. Because he says this, right? And then he's talking, and the guy's asking him other questions. Mm-hmm. Other questions. And then he comes back and goes, and look, I can remember it now. Person, man, camera, TV. And then he starts like, talking for another talking 15 about, minutes. Sir? It's like, what are you talking about, And then he goes, about? And then he goes, and watch this, person, man, woman, camera, TV. And I'm just like, what is going like, on? What is wrong with you? <laughs> it's like, you are, sir, no one cares if you can recite. Just go to hell. Go directly but The funny thing is, the only people who get that test are people that you are worrying are suffering from mental decline or some uh-huh. type of, uh, some type of um, uh, dementia or something like that. Like, Regularly cognitive people, no one tells, no one like recommends you take you that test. So the only reason, saying, yeah, the only reason you would take that test is because somebody thinks you're suffering <laughs> from. That. Hello, it's like it's on the scale of dementia. I'm like, sir, what are you doing? <laughs> it's like, what are you doing? You don't have. Congratulations, <laughs> you you don't have Alzheimer's. We don't think we don't think you're on a spectrum for Alzheimer's. You don't you don't have dementia. Congratulations, you're still not fit to be the fucking president. Now what else is going on? Like, By the way, Stacey Abrams won forty percent of white people with college graduates, forty five percent of white women with college graduates. Uh-huh. That's pretty fucking amazing in Georgia mm-hmm. for that to be the case, which tells me that absolutely voter suppression was what stopped her. Because if you can get forty, I mean, she only got twenty five percent of the white vote, but if you get that percentage of the white vote with voter suppression, mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure you would have won without it, right? In that state. Right. Not to be on top. I was, I just looked it up when you brought it up because no, I, like, I wanted to no. see what she got. Right. Yeah. Mm, mm, mm. That is crazy. Um. So last thing before we get on out of here is John Lewis wrote his last words, and he didn't want them read until his funeral. They, there is a voice recording, I believe it's Morgan Freeman reading his words. I haven't had the heart to listen to it yet because I'm sure I'm going to cry. So it is out there. Um, I'm going to read some of it, but not all of it, but depends on how I'm feeling. I don't know. But it's just something about John Lewis that just tugs at me because I'm like, he's lived so many different things and he's seen so much. And it's like, he taught a lot of people and he could teach us his life is an example. And even his words are examples. Cause you know, he said, he's done said so much. So for me, John Lewis is like someone that's very, there's something about him that I just love and I like. So um, these are John Lewis's words. 
When my time here, well, while my time here has now come to an end, I want you to know that in the last days and hours of my life, you inspired me. You filled me with hope about the next chapter of the great American story when you used your power to make a difference in our society. Millions of people motivated simply by human compassion laid down the burdens of division. Around the country and the world, you set aside race, class, age, language, and nationality to demand respect for human dignity. That is why I had to visit Black Lives Matter Plaza in Washington, though I was admitted to the hospital the following day. I just had to see it and feel it for myself that after many years of silent witness, the truth is still marching on. Emmett Till was my George Floyd. He was my Richard Brooks, Sandra Bland, and Breonna Taylor. He was 14 when he was killed, and I was only 15 years old at the time. I will never forget the moment when it became so clear that he could easily have been me. In those days, fear constrained us like an imaginary prison, and troubling thoughts of potential brutality committed for no understandable reason were the bars. Though I was surrounded by two loving parents, plenty of brothers, sisters, and cousins, their love could not protect me from the unholy oppression waiting outside that family circle. Unchecked, unrestrained violence and government-sanctioned terror had the power to turn a simple stroll to the store for some Skittles or an innocent morning jog down a lonesome country road into a nightmare. If we are to survive as one unified nation, we must discover what so readily takes root in our hearts that could rob Mother Emanuel Church in South Carolina of her brightest and best, shoot unwitting concert goers in Las Vegas, and choke to death the hopes and dreams of a gifted violinist like Elijah McLean. Like so many young people today, I was searching for a way out, or some might say a way in, and then I heard the voice of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. on an old radio. He was talking about the philosophy and discipline of nonviolence. He said we are all complicit when we tolerate injustice. He said it is not enough to say it will get better by and by. He said each of us has a moral obligation to stand up, speak up, and speak out. When you see something that is not right, you must say something. You must do something. Democracy is not a state. It's an act, and each generation must do its part to help build what we call the beloved community, a nation and world society at peace with itself. Ordinary people with extraordinary vision can redeem the soul of America by getting in what I call good trouble, necessary trouble. Voting and participating in the dem democratic process are key. The vote is the most powerful nonviolent change agent we you have in a democratic society. You must use it because it is not guaranteed you can lose it. You must also study and learn the lessons of history because humanity has been involved in this soul-wrenching existential struggle for a very long time. People on every continent have stood in your shoes, though decades and centuries before you. The truth does not change, and that is why the answers worked out long ago can help you find solution in the challenges of our time. Continue to build union between movements stretching across the globe because we must put away our willingness to to profit from the exploitation of others. Though I may not be here with you, I urge you to answer the highest calling of your heart and stand up for what you truly believe. In my life, I have done all I can to demonstrate that the way of peace, the way of love and nonviolence is the more excellent way. Now is your turn to let freedom ring. When historic historians pick up their pens to write the story of the 21st century, let them say that it was that it was your generation who laid down the heavy burdens of hate at last and that peace finally triumphed over violence, aggression, and war. So I say to you, walk with the wind, brothers and sisters, and let the spirit of peace and the power of everlasting love be your guide. This man left this earth like this, being optimistic that things could get better. 
always, even in the face of everything he has seen and still continue to see up until his death. A lot of people don't have that chip. They don't have that. They don't have it. And I don't even know how many more of our ancestors, how many more of our leaders who will become our ancestors have to tell us this. Martin Luther King Jr. tried to tell us this. Malcolm X had tried to tell us this. They said it in two different ways, but they both had the common goal. It was like both of them. It was like Malcolm had a whole different philosophy. He had a different philosophy than Martin. But here's the thing. Closer to his death, he kind of agreed more with Malcolm. But we ignored that part because <laughs> it's easy for us to ignore it. There's a lot of people out there because when... You, I don't. I don't even know what to say. But the the it, the the light around John Lewis. I also think it's very that. it's very popular now to be uh, nihilistic in this mm-hmm. view, right? It's very popular to get on social media, and things aren't getting better. Things are only going to get worse. Nothing's ever going to change. Yeah. Nothing's ever going to get better. And I understand the feeling of that. But we, we need people like John Lewis, right? People who understand the fight, who's been through the fight, but who also still has this hope. And because I always do say this, is you know, because I, 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 I was like a government political nerd. So when I when I go back and I, I would like read stuff about like the founding fathers and they were trash and they were racist and fucked up. But the idea of America was this it, the idea of America initially was supposed to be like this experiment and it almost still is an experiment not exclusively but like most countries in the world are homogenous right most countries have one race of people that exist in that country and those people are different they're not equal, all the same people but it's one race of people one culture all tied together the the point of America was to be like this this country that takes all these different people and push them together. And then once we got our quote unquote freedom and throughout time, the, the idea is to become more closer to what the original idea was. If you take out the racism and sexism and misogyny and homophobia of all the leaders that's come in our country so far. And I, I think we need people like John Lewis and like others who are just like, I still pray for the day that the people like this aren't running our country anymore and we can finally see what the true experiment can be right mm-hmm. what can the country what can a country truly be that takes a bunch of different people from a bunch of different backgrounds colors races religions thoughts cultures and puts them together and lets all of them exist on the equal playing field what could that possibly be and we still i understand how it can get bad yeah, mm-hmm. I'm not knocking people from dealing that way, but you got to have that balance, right? Yeah. You, you got to have that side too, because if you don't, like, then what are, it makes you feel like, what were people fighting for? You know what I mean? Because that's right. what everyone who came before us was fighting for. Right. Because they, a lot of those people, even the the people, like, even Malcolm or the, the people that they say are the radicals, their ultimate goal was not. And this is, I think, I don't think a lot of people think this, but I think some people mix this up. The goal was not to have us become the white people. It was literally equality, right? It was Correct. to become that. And so 
uh, I always say that when I, I talk to my friend about that, when I talk about, because I would always talk to him and I would be like, listen, if we don't bring me, when I say we, I'm talking about black men. And that's because I said the way the country goes first, if something were to happen with black people, it's going to be us first because that's just how misogynistic the country is. Mm-hmm. And I said, if we don't bring black women, black LGBTQ people with us, if everybody that's Native American, indigenous folks, if everybody, if all of us don't aren't brought along at the same time, and we just go up, right? If we just fight for black men to be equal to white men, then what are we really doing, right? Like, right. what's the, what's the point? So we need somebody who we need people who believe in what bringing all of us up together. And I think he truly believed that in his heart, and he fought for that his whole his whole life. And um, I'm thankful for that, and that we need more people like that. Mm. Yeah. And ooh, just rest easy, warrior. Um, he ran a good race. I also, wish. writing an article to get released when you <laughs> pass is some real G shit. I mean, honestly, honestly, like, it's like wow. And having somebody, Morgan Freeman read it, it's like yes, hey, it's like whoo. That's somebody who knows his words need to be heard and knows people want to hear his words. <laughs> Yeah, and that's that's some really cool shit right there. And th- especially because you didn't know that was coming. Like nobody right. knew this was coming. Like oh my god! But thank you to John Lewis. Thank you, just thank you for his presence and his story. Um, yeah, uh, I think that's a show. It's a it's a two part show, but it's a show, y'all. It's a show. Hey, hey, it's a show. <laughs> um, but yeah, now I'm a, now it makes me want to go listen to it. Pharrell's happy. I'm like, anytime I hear that song now, I think about John Lewis. It's literally like, <laughs> I don't even think of Despicable Me anymore. I think about John Lewis. He still had he still had rhythm in his 80s. Right? It's like, sheesh. I hope I can move around like that I'm when I'm same. 60. Same. It was like, shh, he was 84. Come on. It's like, mm, can still get down. Okay, John. Um, before we get out of here, guys, this has been the show. Um, before we get out of here, Brandon, again, thank you so much. It, it can't be this a long amount of time again. It's like it won't be. It was like we, well, you took a break and I took a break. True, true. So it's kind of like I was like, when is the last time you've been here? It's been a while, and I could tell. Um, <laughs> it's like geez Louise. But thank you so much for being here. Tell everybody how they can find you and they can find why so serious and the other seventeen podcasts you host. Yeah, I love uh, talking to you. You're one of my favorite people. So it's it was really good to catch up on on the record too. But um <laughs> you can find me on Twitter at that cool black nerd BLK. Uh I talk about pretty much everything we talked about today and sports. Stephanie didn't bring up sports, which she usually does when I'm on here. I'm surprised she didn't try- talk about I'm the surprised. NBA. Uh, let me tell you something. Um, because I, I didn't really the only thing I would bring up about the NBA would be um LeBron's thighs and oh, you know yes. how I feel. So I'm like, let me not. But did you see did you see the baseball player? Um this is a baseball player, Adam Huff, where I used to play baseball for a long time. Mm. And so he go he takes pictures, he takes two pictures of LeBron. And and you know, you know, LeBron had on like that short set. Uh-huh. And he goes, Is this is this, is this what you oh, call masculine? I saw the tweet and that? I didn't know who he was. And I'm oh, like, this what the said. hell is this? Young men, this is not how a man is supposed to dress. Carrying a purse is not cool. 
I suppose dressing like this makes it easier to kneel. Hashtag emasculated. I saw the tweet and I was saying like, who the hell is this? I didn't even, but I was like, oh Lord, he gonna get roasted. I can't wait. Bye. But yeah, like, so I, I'm surprised you didn't bring that up. I'm surprised you didn't bring up Antonio Brown might be coming to the Ravens. Oh, he's, uh, um, well, I didn't bring it up because I was like, I looked at like what I wanted to talk about with you. But yeah, we could have brought up the fact that, you know, they finished his investigation. Homeboy is, um, whenever he gets picked up by a team, he'll be sent to, suspended the first eight games. Yeah, he's not even um, appealing it. So he's just saying, I'll take He's it. not, because remember, he wanted this fight. Remember, he wanted mm-hmm. this smoke. He wanted, I'm like, y'all going to have to go through it. You know, like, mm-hmm, investigate me. And then they investigated and said, we're going to suspend you eight <laughs> games. And I'm sitting here like, so the NFL is not the, entity to dole out punishment because if he actually did rape this woman he should be in jail yes <laughs> it's like so there's that i'm like the nfl is not who i go to for you know they're not the judge dread that i'm looking for but sure you get eight games for great. rape right it was and like say he didn't rape uh, the woman but he did some other fucked up shit how right. do you judge that like okay it wasn't rape so it's not a year but he uh he said some fucked up shit so he was emotionally abusive. So I think emotionally abusive equals eight games. Like, how do they, like, how, what's the equation? <laughs> right. Let me add this. Allegedly, we're talking allegedly. However, because apparently this case has not gone, because if, if SVU has taught us nothing, it's that sometimes, even if a sexual assault happens, if they don't think they can win the case, they're not going to try it. So there's that. Oh, yes. Yeah, like that with a whole bunch of stuff. They just mm-hmm. said it about uh, Darren Wilson with Michael Brown. Yeah. It's like, eh, I mean, it's not enough for we could do for this. So we're not going to try it. But, you know, good luck on healing. Uh, what? <laughs> good luck on healing. Like, oh, my God. By the way, your man Stabler may be coming back to SVU. Oh, he got a spinoff. I'm all for it. I can't wait. I was like, ooh, I'm excited. <laughs> um, but, yeah, you can find me on Twitter and – you can subscribe to the Why So Series podcast. We just did a review on Steel. Um, <laughs> so that was fun. Um, next month, I asked Stephanie to do Baby Boy next month. Oh but I'm starting to read Think Baby Boy next month. Please I'm do. either gonna do I'm either gonna do Baby Boy or we're gonna do um uh Tropic Thunder. Please um, do Tropic Thunder. I'm sorry. Yeah, you know how I feel about Baby Boy. So that's why I'm like, why are you torturing me? You know how I'm going to feel about this movie. So I'm all about Tropic Thunder because I can't wait for us to revisit um, the quote unquote blackface from Robert. And I'm like, y'all missed this completely. This is why it was like grand opening, grand closing when someone decided to say, oh, y'all didn't have a problem with that blackface. Hey, hi. That was the point. <laughs> like no, we're trying to show how ridiculous this is. So and if you listen to this, that means you love Stephanie. And Stephanie <laughs> and I did almost every episode of We still didn't do the finale. So if you want to hear Stephanie's thoughts on this, this season of Insecure and her Emmy nominated season of of Insecure. Emmy nominated Insecure. Just so y'all season. know, because just so y'all know. Stephanie is a Molly stan. Just so I, y'all know. <laughs> I so, gave sympathy to Molly. Y'all like, what the hell? And I'm like, well, so y'all know. Well, you listen. Issa did get a nomination. Um, so she deserves. They both did. Oh, they did. Oh, I didn't see Yvonne's. Why did I not see Yvonne's? I think I'm pretty sure they both did. I think I saw that. Um, like, so yeah, check that out. And uh, yes. thank you for having me on here. I love it. Of and course, I, I wouldn't. I can't wait to come back. 
I can't wait for you to come back either. I would, there's nobody I would rather be tangential with. It's a short list. <laughs> You're on the list. Thank you. All right, guys. So next week, hopefully if everything comes through, I got to get this um, together because I hope this is going to happen. Next week's show is the show before my birthday. And hopefully I will have PJ Ryan from the Highly Melanated Podcast and the Dear You Project podcast. And God, he, he, he's another person who does a lot of different podcasts because he's very creative and very artistic and very, very good at what he does. So hopefully that will be my guest next week. I'm going to firm that up. And I would say something on the mic, but he's going to get me and act like he don't know what I'm talking about. But I'm going to not say that. All right, y'all. Be back next week. Bye. <laughs>